SAFM values your views. Be an active citizen. Welcome to the third and final hour of the Talking Point this morning. As you can hear, quite a bit of a spill over in those WhatsApp voice notes from uh, the open line, Bafana Bafana Mtata and uh, the bad driving in that part of the country. Uh, still some of the things that uh, you want to speak about. So coming up in this hour, we're going to get into our health and uh, wellness feature. And today we're focusing on dieting. And it's a good time to have this kind of conversation because many of us of course are trying to undo some of the damage from um, the December holidays where we know we often throw caution to the wind uh, we relax, we have a good time. Unfortunately that also means that we come back looking a little bit rounder or plumpier than usual. And so it always falls in line with the resolutions at this time of the year to get back in shape. Betty Mohala is a registered dietitian and community nutrition lecturer at the University of Pretoria. She joins us now. Betty, good morning. Thank you so much for your time this morning. Good morning, Cassie and the listeners. Thank you so much for having me. What is it about the new year, in particular New Year's resolutions that include starting the gym, eating healthier, um, that you know we feel just so inspired about in yeah. January and then come February and March and suddenly yeah. we seem to have lost complete track of what we would have wanted things to be. Yes, yes, Kathy. We see this happen every year. And I think it also goes with the momentum, you know, the momentum in which we start. We use all our energy to say, okay, body goals, um, nutrition goals, you know, and then your resolutions, and then you just go all in. And I think that, that momentum and the energy when other things now come into play, being work and the children being back at school, you know, life when it now just starts to get hectic, you you lose that energy now for for the nutrition um, goals that you set at the beginning of the year. But I also think that sometimes we also overestimate, um, you know, our abilities, and we also. Um, don't like our goals sometimes are also not very realistic. I think that's also that's also another issue. We we overestimate our abilities. How are you saying that we can't lose ten kilograms in a month, Betty? I mean, don't don't damper our spirits. Of course we can. No, Kathy. You know, um, we, when we're talking smart goals in nutrition, when we are um, in a counselling setting. We usually teach people about setting smart goals. So those one of the, the aspects or the elements of a smart goal is that it must be realistic. So you setting yourself up for failure initially if you're going to go all out and say, I want to lose the 10Ks um, in, in a month. And you might find that um, you, you gain this weight over time, over an extended period of time. So... Now you want to go on in and um, restrict everything and starve yourself, you know, so that you can lose it. Um, but usually that puts a lot of strain on our bodies 
puts a lot of pressure um, in terms of physiological stress. And it can also put a strain on your metabolism because now you are just um, starving yourself all of a sudden. You know, your body doesn't know how to react to that. So it's not really advisable. I, I get that. Um, with with all the energy that we have at the beginning of the year and all the inspiration, we feel that we can do it, but it's really not advisable. Mm. But but Betty, we're not starving ourselves. We're simply reconfiguring what mm-hmm. has happened, right? Because over December we were overeating, so now mm-hmm. we're trying to make sure that we balance those scales out. You know, in January, mm-hmm. so. Is it really starving when you just want to come back to the balance, you know? You know what, Kathy? Um, as I said, nutrition um, is not something that you can just um, do, like, um, let's say, yeah, with a quick fix, for instance, because you are, we are also eating for nutrition, for our nutritional needs, for instance. We are also eating for our physiological needs, which is hunger. So we we cannot put those aside. We cannot switch those off and then say, okay, now I'm just merely eating for my body goals. Um, obviously, it's not going to last, you know, because the other needs are going to come into play. Okay, so then from a practitioner's point of view or an expert's point of view, how should we be approaching um, the journey to try and, and lose some weight? What should we be doing? Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you. That is a very good uh, question and a very good way to approach it. So firstly, I would say that if you are, if you are already on a, on, a, on a journey, you know, on a, on a healthy lifestyle um, journey, let's say last year, where you, you knew that, okay, I've got these healthy habits, which I follow, and then you are keeping yourself hydrated. You also maybe exercise um, a few days a week, or you are a person who's keeping physically active. I would say just um, pick up where you left off. You know, don't look at it as um, it's a new year now, new me. I want to do things new. No, rather pick up where you left off because it's a long-term thing. It's a lifestyle. You know, so just as now you are back at work, you know, after December, you're picking up where you left off, you are getting back into it. So same thing with our eating habits. Um, we did overindulge over the, 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 the December season. Um, so now it's time to say, okay, we're not going to be restricting, but we're maybe going to be giving our body what it needs. So we want those good sound habits. Um, and then another point is that um, the goals obviously differ. So if you are a healthy person and you're looking to just live your life and maintain your weight, then you can um, follow generalized guidelines, which we have. So we have the food-based dietary guidelines in South Africa, and those are very good, by the way, because they've also been found to help in preventing um, non-communicable diseases and healthy people and also help to maintain a healthy weight. So I would go that route if I was just a healthy individual who's looking to, you know, live life and, um, and also stay healthy. 
And then if I'm somebody who maybe has a condition or has a problem, you know, say I have been told by a health worker or a doctor that I need to do something about my weight or my lifestyle, then I would really um, encourage people to go and consult. I think that would be a very good starting point. Consult um, with somebody who knows so that you get objective um, information, you know, and then you are able to, you, and in a consultation, it's not a one-way street where you are being told what to do. You also come with your input and say, you know what, um, I'm, I'm thinking of going this route, I'm thinking of maybe reducing my carbohydrate intake, and I would like to do this safely. And obviously your practitioner would know um, about your health status and they would know what medical um, interventions you're on, say you're on medication, for example. So the advice and the, that you will get is, is bound to be um, good and, and safe for you. And another element, again, Kathy, is that we also need to go for our follow-up. I think this is a major one because in January, as I said, we have this huge momentum and we want to get things started. So we find that people do go for their first session or their first consult, say with a dietitian, for instance, and then they, you know, they set goals, they discuss, they set up the meal plan and everything is set to go. But then people simply just don't go back for their follow-ups. And this poses a huge risk because you you will then have the startup, you know, the starter, the plan. And then you will think in your mind, okay, I can do this um, alone. I can maintain this. But um, we need, you need, you need that, that, that assistance. You need that support. And for you also to maintain the changes, it's very important for us to go back to our follow-ups. All right, we continue the conversation with Betty Motlala. She's a registered dietitian and community nutrition lecturer at the University of Pretoria. We're talking about dieting. That's the conversation that we're having a look at for our health and wellness feature today. We're going to continue in a moment. The Talking Point with Kathy Motlatana. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. We continue the conversation on the talking point. I wonder what some of your nutritional goals that you have set for yourself um, for this coming year are. Would, are you are you willing to share uh, some of those with us? Are there specific things that um, you have found that in particular work when it comes to the journey in particular of weight loss? Uh, Betty Mutlala is a registered dietitian and she is our guest for this morning. So Betty, you raised the issue of people, you know, needing to um, consult the the experts or um, you know the the practitioners when it comes to dieting and and what it is that we're eating but the truth is that it's very rare that we actually go and see somebody to help us with trying to manage Yes, trying to manage our weight. Often Mm -hmm. it's something that we we believe that we can do on our own and it just requires maybe a couple of adjustments here and there. And there's, of course, also a a cost factor, right, that, you know, it it does cost money to see um, some of these these practitioners. So 
from the perspective of of a layman, how then would you advise us to go about um, putting together our own plans, eating mm-hmm. plans or meal plans um, mm. that that is cost effective and that doesn't necessarily need us to be walking the journey with a third party? Mm-hmm. Thank you, Cassie. That is a very good question. And I think the starting point is to say that we shouldn't medicalize um, our eating so much that now everybody, you know, has a problem, so to speak. Uh, because um, food is there, it's available. We've been eating for over centuries, and we, I think we have navigated quite well, you know, to eat and to choose to make those choices. But the challenge comes in with the, the increased amount of options that we have and the food environment now is so different, you know, from, let's say, uh, let's say pre, um, pre-democracy even, I can even say, because now we've got so much more, so many more. Um, in this, you know, things have, have just opened up, you know, there's so much more that is available to us. Um, we are seeing even the fast food go into our rural areas, you know, so I think, the, the need for, for, for us as dietitians now is growing because um, there's just so much to choose from in terms of food options. Firstly, secondly, we have social media now, obviously, which we all love, um, and there is so much information there when it comes to food and nutrition. You know, there are many experts in inverted commerce also there, and also um, proper experts are also there. So people find that they don't know what to believe. There's, there's a lot of information out there. So going to somebody who has studied, who is registered, also helps you to just turn off the noise around you and just to also get assistance, as I said, on the the things that you need specifically for yourself. Um, advice that is specific for yourself if maybe you've got a condition and so on. All right, so now coming back to, to your question of how can um, somebody who you know doesn't necessarily want to go to a, a dietitian navigate. So I mentioned before that we have um, guidelines in the country, and I find that sometimes even in the communities when we are out there teaching, people are not aware of them. So these are the South African food-based dietary guidelines. Um, they are also known as the guidelines for healthy eating. So these guidelines have been specifically designed for, for our population, and um, the foods that are included there are foods that we all have um, have access to and we all know. So I think that would be a very good starting point that you shouldn't just um, expect to sort out your diet, you know, just with. Um, general knowledge or maybe with what you're finding online, but rather go to a source that has been um, specifically designed and set up by, for you by experts. So that is that would be the first second point, um, the food-based dietary guidelines. All right. And, you you know, we we often talk about support, right, to help us in our weight loss journey. And I know a lot of, uh, again, dietitians and nutritional experts like yourself will say, no, don't take anything because it's detrimental to your body. But the reality is that people end up 
wanting to take something. So let's have a conversation about that, right? And perhaps say, you know, if you're looking to take a product, it must at least contain one, two, three for it to be truly effective in assisting with weight loss. So that you would find in a in a one-on-one. So that is when now you need to consult. Say you, you see a product and you are unsure, um, you would need to consult um, somebody yeah, for that. And then that person will be able to um, even include that product in your, in your meal plan. Yeah, we're, able, we're, also be, we're also able to include it because we would then consider the nutritional, um, uh, like what, what the product will be giving you nutritionally. So, yes. Okay. So I think I think I think um, generally, um, say you go to to a pharmacy, for instance, you you are I mean there's so many choices there. So you will start with reading the label. <laughs> you know we have labels, we have food labels. Um, we do have a labeling regulation in South Africa, even though some of the 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 supplements, um, you know, we cannot really say for sure whether the claims that they have on the labels are, are correct. But I think that would be a starting point, reading the food label, going over the nutritional information, and then if you still need um, to make sense of it more or you want to, to know if this can work for you, then I think you would then need to go the extra step of consulting because um, you, otherwise you would, it would be... Um, that's January uh, syndrome again. When All right. you say, okay, let me start with this product and then um, maybe it doesn't work for you, but you, you're not really motivated to stick to it because you don't really know if it is really the right product for you. Okay. So you would be advised. Yeah. All right. Okay, we'll continue the conversation in a moment. It's 11.30. The Talking Point with Kathy Mosasana. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. All right, we continue the conversation on the talking point. It's our health and wellness feature, and we're talking to uh, Betty Motlala, who is a registered dietitian. Betty, I've got some questions for you. I'll, of course, also still be taking uh, more of those questions on the WhatsApp voice note line. You can send those voice notes and text messages to 0614-104-107. You can also call in on 086-000-2032 if you have specific questions for Betty. Let me kick it off with the WhatsApp voice notes. We'll play one voice note at a time and I'll give you an opportunity to respond to each of them. Good morning, Kathy. Quick one to your dietitian. Help me differentiate between good fat and bad fat. I heard that avocado is good, you know, Um, balsamic oil is good olive oil and all that i once said from a jewish friend of mine saying that anything you eat from the ground underground is good for you like sesame seeds you know and other things um sesame seeds pumpkin seeds and so forth but in brief katie this doesn't come cheap I used to do it. This doesn't come cheap. And I can tell you, at the time my BMI was way on point, my weight on point, everything was on point. 
back in the days. Not anymore. Kathy, good morning. Goodbye. Yeah, back in the days, not anymore. And there is, of course, controversy around that BMI. But Betty, give you a, let me give you a chance to respond to our listener. Yes, thank you for that question. Um, yeah, he has many good points that he made there, um, saying that um, his friend advised him that everything that comes from the ground is actually healthy. So I think that would be a very good starting point um, to say that... Um, the whole food, so in terms of fat as well, the whole um, um, food, so something that has not been processed, those are the, the best, yeah, so to speak. So as I mentioned, you mentioned avocado, you mentioned um, seeds. Um, remember when we have sunflower oil, we actually got it from, from the seeds. So the seeds are the starting point where where we have to process it and then we get the oil in the end. So the whole foods are, are good. And then, um, so, sorry, I'm losing my train of thought. Yes. So the question I think was about bad, good fat and bad fat. Ne? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. So it's not really advisable to label food as good or bad because all food has a place. So we can say that um, even as the food-based dietary guideline says that we, there are certain uh, fats that we need to eat more of, so we, we have to eat those on, on more occasions, and then there are certain ones that we have to eat less of, yeah? meaning that um, even in the amount that we eat, we have to reduce. So the difference, the main difference there is about um, animal fat and then plant fat. So the guidelines are saying that with the animal fats, we have to reduce them because that's where we are finding um, saturated fats. So, and obviously animal fats, meaning that we find these fats, especially in, in our animal products being meat, meat, sausages, you know, um, things like that. And then the plant fats, um, we, we can eat those in bigger amounts because the body actually needs them in bigger amounts um, because of what they contain. So already mentioned by our listener, things like the avocado comes from plants, uh, the olive oil comes from plants, the seeds also come from plants. So that the differentiation there is not good or bad fat, but it's about animal fat and plant fat. All right, thanks for that. Here's another question for you. Hello, Katie. You are speaking to Unaj. Can you please ask your guest for me? There's this thing that people always say uh, when they are studying that you don't eat, you are not eating that toasting, toasting the food that we're eating in December. So they only drinking water as well. If you are if you are eating, you can see people with just that they just sitting watching you eat drinking water. And I ask your guest, would, would that uh, do? Would she have uh, advice for someone to not eat and only drink water? Does it work like to lose all the fat that you gained during December by only drinking water maybe for 10 days without eating? Okay. All right. I think I got that. That would be maybe um, where people want to detox, you know, in inverted commas, where they say, okay, I've, I've had so much sugar, I've had so much um, junk. So now I want to get rid of, of this thing from my body and I want to 
to drink a lot of water to sort of um, clean, cleanse myself. So was that the question? Yes, he's asking whether it's a good idea for people um, mm-hmm. who don't eat and simply drink water um, mm-hmm. for whatever period uh, as a way of losing weight. Does it work? Yes. So the answer, the, the answer is a big no. This is not healthy. This is not advisable at all because as much as we are trying to lose the weight, the excess weight that is stored on our body, but the body still needs to function um, day to day. So to function, optimally, we still need to ingest nutrients daily. So it is really not advisable to have um, only water. Um, even if you are trying to detox or cleanse your, your system or even use it to lose weight. Um, there are different um, fasting protocols. You know, some people go on, on fasting. So if you, are, uh, if you are doing that, then you will know that you are, only, you are also going to be eating at some point in the day. So it's not like you, you're just going to not eat anything and just go on water. So those that can pose a big risk um, to people. So please avoid that. I mean, one of the things that that has become quite popular, um, you know, recently is intermittent fasting. And a lot of people um, are are using intermittent fasting to to lose weight. And um, sometimes it depends on just the hours that um, the the window rather that somebody decides they will not eat uh, during. What do you have to say about intermittent fasting? Mm -hmm. So I think there is definitely a place for intermittent fasting and and I would also advise that you also do it under the supervision of a of a health professional um because um as I said we have different conditions you know you might have to you might have to monitor your blood glucose levels for instance if you are diabetic um and then also um, the first thing doesn't mean that um, we are starving. So you still have to take in a certain amount of energy daily. So you have to make sure that when you are not fasting, um, the meals that you're going to be taking are going to be adequate. You know, so because I've seen other in some cases, people will say, um, when I break my fast, I can just eat anything and I can just eat any amount, and that is also not healthy. And also, um, yeah, nutritional deficiencies as well. So, as I said, what you'll be eating when you break a fast is very important. How much you're eating is very important. And the length of your fast as well. So how long are you going to be? Are you doing this um, for a week or a month? You know? So I think that um, there is a place definitely for intermittent fasting. And uh, there have been very good results on it, but... Um, don't just go in there. Be aware of, of the different protocols. And also when you break the fast, depending on how you're fasting, um, you, may not, you may need to take it slowly to, to bring the food in a little bit slower um, because there can be a physiological reaction if you're going to be eating too much food now after fast. That can also pose a risk to your health. Okay. So... so, so then what 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 do we need to keep in mind when it comes to intermittent fasting and the meals then that we're choosing to break the fast as as you're highlighting yes Kathy. so i would say um 
um, as I said, adequacy for me is a big concern. So remember, we have we have the the, the food groups, and all the food groups give us something. So depending on how many meals you're going to be able to have, say let's say for instance you're going to have one meal per day when you're fasting, um, you need to make sure that that meal is adequate. So it should give you food from all the food groups. But you're probably also going to need to be taking um, a supplement, a micronutrient supplement with that, so so that you, you're not deficient then on your micronutrients because you you certainly will not be able to get your micronutrients, all the, the micronutrients you need from just that one meal. Um, so, so when I mentioned um, eating a smaller amount, this was a fast where you don't break, the fast that you don't break every day. So, you know, remember with intermittent fasting, um, let's say you don't eat for 16 hours, you will have one meal a day. Others have two meals a day. So that that is not really considered as breaking a fast because you are still eating every day. So in that instance, you would have to make sure that the meals that you have when you eat are adequate, meaning that you have food from all the food groups, and then you still have to make sure that you, you're taking in your micronutrient supplement. So that is the daily one. But the long-term fast where you skip a day, a whole day without eating, let's say maybe it's about three days. When you do start eating, when you reintroduce your food, you have to go very slow. So use a smaller plate, put smaller portions so that you can allow your system to readjust. And then, um, then you can slowly start to increase the size of the meals as you, as you, as you now right. start to eat again. All right. Yeah. Let me go to Sirete in Limpopo. Good morning, Sirete. Good morning, Casey, and uh, compliments. And Kathy, mm. um, I went to a dietitian, and uh, he prescribed me food to eat uh, lean meat, you know, lean um, um, minced meat, and so on, and vegetables mostly. Now, but but where I did not understand, and even now when I'm listening to the dietitian uh, who's presenting there, the 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 dietitian I consulted, he said to me. Because I was asking him about olive oil, he said to me, "No, don't even don't even use olive oil, because once you fry it, like for instance, you fry meat, use olive oil, or you fry um, uh, chips, use olive oil." He says it changes in its form, and it becomes unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Can I can I get clarity on that? Mm. Thank you for that question. It's a very good one. So this has to do with. Um, the fact that different oils have got a different smoking point. So smoking point means this is where the oil now starts breaking down and then it can release some compounds um, which may be detrimental to our health depending on you know how much we have of these and and yeah. Over a long term that is. So it's not like if you fry it with olive oil um you know once in a while you you're going to experience a problem. And so that is, it has to do with the smoking point of the oil. Um, so olive oil, um, correctly said, um, does not have a high smoking point. So this is why ideally we should be using it to to drizzle over our food. 
However, we do have on our shelves um, olive oils that are labeled um, as we can cook with. Um, you know, you see on the if you go over your oils on the shelf, some are actually labels that you are able to fry with it. So then that one, you know that, okay, this one has a higher smoking point. Yeah, so fats like uh, coconut soy fat, for instance, has a higher smoking point. Even avocado oil, I think, has got higher, higher smoking point than olive oil. So, so that, that was the issue there. But there's a difference between frying, let's say deep frying and um, cooking with something. So if you are, let's say, cooking your vegetables and then you add a, a tablespoon of oil there, um, I don't really think, um, you know, it, it will be such a, a big, big problem because you're not um, frying with it, All right. uh, per se. All right. All right. Unfortunately, we're going to have to leave it there for today, Betty. Mutlala is a registered dietitian and community nutrition lecturer. Hopefully there's something that uh, you've taken out of that conversation again um, and keeping keeping up with the momentum then of whatever your nutritional goals um, for 2024 might be. Coming up next is the book reading. The talking point is back again with you tomorrow morning.